Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm Adam Green. We have a great episode for you this week as we turn our attention away from the post-war contemporary art market. And for this week, we focus on the old master's market. We chat with Meg Corcoran. She's a researcher at Art Tactic. She's focused on the old master's market for us. Meg's also a gallery manager at Stephen Ongping Fine Art, which is a London-based gallery specializing in old masters, 19th century, and modern drawings and works on paper. Meg's written a really fantastic report for us on the old master's market in collaboration with the London Art Week, which is this week. To view the report, you can visit arttactic.com. And if you enjoy the episode, you can also check out Meg at a panel discussion this upcoming week on Tuesday as part of the London Art Week. To learn more about that, you can visit londonartweek.co.uk. And I hope you enjoy the episode with Meg on the Old Masters Market. Meg, thanks for coming on. Yeah, I'm absolutely happy to be here. So there's been a, so much attention, feels like, in the art world, in the art market, on the post-war and contemporary art market. And... That's an area that Art Tactic focuses on a lot, but it seems like the old master's market, it appears to be trending up. For our listeners maybe who you know follow on the periphery, how has the old master's market been doing the past few years? Uh, so the old master's market has actually been doing really well, and so far the numbers for 2019 are extremely promising. Um, I mean, from a numbers point of view, the evening sales were up over 10% in 2018 from 2017, and the day sales were up nearly 10% at 9.8 as well. Um, and so far this year, even though we've only had our old master sales in New York so far, um, the evening sales in New York were up 15% from 2018, which itself was already up 38% from 2017. So, I mean, those numbers are pretty amazing, um, which makes everybody very excited. But the old masters, uh, it's been great to see, has been in the news quite a bit. There's been quite a few discoveries and new things coming to market. So on the whole, um, I think you know, people are feeling pretty positive and it's, you know, great to see some highlights and to have some heads turning back in time a little bit, if you will. So it's been, it's been exciting. Yeah. You mentioned some rediscoveries. I think that those definitely captured the headlines. Um, you know, a few blockbuster sales, whether it was the Salvatore Mundi, um, or that Caravaggio, uh, painting that, um, was just, uh, sold privately just before it was about to head to auction. You know, I think it's interesting, these kind of works that have these headlines, but also, you know, there on each of those works, there have been maybe some doubts about their authenticity. Um, how have these blockbuster sales, as well on the other side of the coin, the, you know, some doubts about uh, the legitimacy of the works impacted the old masters market as a whole? Has it been a positive uh, overall? Uh, so, well, it's tough to say with each work, you know, as they're all individual case studies, it's difficult to say how or if they've impacted the market as a whole. But what I do think they have done is bring some things to light about the old masters market, which are really great to have out in the open. It's kind of started a lot of discussion, which I think if we want to bring people into the market are good things to talk about, even if they're a little bit sticky. Um, and one such issue, as you mentioned, is differences in opinion surrounding authenticity. Um, so I do think one of the biggest barriers to entry in the old master's market 
is academic accessibility, meaning that your average collector probably feels uncomfortable having to rely so heavily on a specialist or any available scholarship that they can find to feel that they fully understand what they're buying. Whereas when you buy in the contemporary market, most of your artists are living, so you can just ask them any questions you have. Exactly. Um, and yeah, so situations such as we're seeing with the Leonardo or the Caravaggio certainly do not help ease these collector's fears. Um, so scholarship in the market, it's, it's a tricky thing, but as the report mentions, um, at the end of the day, even though scholarship is subject to change, which means that the market is healthy, research and academia are healthy, um, you know, the market does need these experts. But what's tough is, you know, so when and how they give their opinions is the bit that can be a bit more difficult. Uh, so looking at the Caravaggio as an example, um, so like you said, the sale was supposed to be on the 27th, but it was canceled because the owners agreed to a private sale. Um, the presumed buyer is the former hedge fund manager, Jay Tomlinson Hill, who is also on the board of the Metropolitan Museum. So, you know, if the experts or the curators at the Met were too vocal, potentially, about the attribution of this work, um, as a potential recipient of it, because it's also being reported that he's agreed to show it at a public museum, um, it could potentially be considered a conflict of interest. So in saying that, it's just an example, and the you know identity of the purchaser is still speculation, but it just goes to show that there are a lot of reasons why experts might not be able to publicly comment on commercial dealings as they're attached, they could be attached to public institutions. So it does make it quite difficult. And when these big discoveries come to market, um, you know, auctioneers or dealers kind of have to cope with that um, because sometimes the best experts are the curators. And as they are attached to these public or government funded institutions, they can't get involved in the market too much. So um, it's definitely tricky, but at the end of the day, we do need them. Um, so while this is a hurdle for the old masters market, I also think it's a great opportunity um, because if you think about it, the old masters were once contemporary and the market has had time, several hundred years, to adjust to these difficulties, you know, in, including inheritance, losing documents, um, and changing scholarship and new discoveries. But if then you look at the post-war and contemporary market in another 50 years, potentially, uh, you know, scholarship and authenticity become an issue whenever an artist passes. And that's something that the post-war and contemporary market are still very fresh to having to deal with. I mean, just look at the Warhol and Basquiat foundations. Um, and I'm not well-versed enough in the contemporary market to knowledgeably comment on it, I have to confess. But I do have to wonder what obstacles collectors might run into with these works as the next generation tries to sell them. Um, but, you know, the old master's market, maybe our strength lies in the fact that we've already been stuck in the library for centuries. So who knows? Mm -hmm. No, I think that's a, that's a good point. You know, you mentioned the um, reported buyer of the um, Caravaggio, um, Jay Tomlinson Hill, who... Interestingly, you know, I'm here in New York. I was walking around Chelsea yesterday and he recently opened up a space, an exhibition space, and you know, it's full of paintings and works that he owns by Christopher Wool, you know, a contemporary artist. 
I'm curious at, from your experiences at uh, Stephen Ongping Fine Art, and just maybe speaking about the mar- old masters market in general, is the, are you seeing more overlap between collectors? You know who do collect old masters all the way to contemporary art, or you feel like a lot of the old masters collectors are just focused on old masters? Um, so I think we're starting to see a little bit of a mix. Um, I'd say the more traditional old master collectors are much more based in connoisseurship. So I, you know, they have quite a direction with their collections. They know what they like and they typically have an area of study that really interests them. But what we are starting to see a lot more of, um, and I'm hearing this a lot from specialists are young contemporary collectors that are looking to cross collect. Um, and many of these people seem to be kind of moving away or at least trying to expand on their contemporary collections and trying to ground them in the canon a bit by bringing in the old masters. Um, and what's great is they seem to be wanting to add some academia, um, and, you know, which is great for us because things can be beautiful and interesting, um, but I think trying to capitalize on this and, you know, Christie's just brought back their contemporary auction, uh, in June, which they hadn't had for a little while. And I mean, the old masters and contemporary auctions are now, you know, back to back. So everybody's in London at the same time. Um, and it seems at least, you know, from the whisperings that I'm hearing to be quite successful, especially because both auction houses are, you know, as much as old masters, um, you know, dealers and collectors love telling stories and bringing out the scholarship, we do also have to recognize that first and foremost, these are pictures. And we have, you know, people who are going to collect them are going to be living with these pieces. And we need to appeal to that, especially to some of the newer collectors. So we've been seeing a big effort to insert the old masters into a contemporary setting. Um, so, you know, whether that's through putting the sales back to back to kind of catch the eye of these collectors, um, you know, put some really stunning and striking images in front of them, even though they may be 400 years old. Um, there's definitely some cross category interest. Uh, and I actually, I do think it's been quite successful. Um, I mean, looking at Sotheby's and their hang with, uh, dis, uh, sorry, with Victoria Beckham, or, you know, Christie's has had quite a few um, marketing campaigns with Classic Week, uh, some, you know, incredible modern videos uh, where they really just highlight that these old masters, even in their ornate gilt frames, can actually look really striking and stunning in a contemporary setting. And I think they're doing a great job to dispel the dusty library stereotype of the market. So, um I mean, I guess it it remains to be seen because at least to the outside, the identity of a lot of these buyers is uh, is unknown. But from what I've been hearing from specialists, quite a few um, quite a few collectors, uh, young collectors are starting to try and move in uh, and get their feet wet, which I think is great. So, you know, you touched on at the beginning of the podcast about this upward trend we're seeing in the old masters market. It's interesting, you know, some from uh, coming from my own perspective, really focused on contemporary. There's so much 
um, movement in terms of artists living, still making new work, changing galleries, um, the type of people collecting their art, and you, you know that's the rationale for a lot of uh, price fluctuations that we see in the market. You know, old masters, of course, all the artists are deceased and have been for a while. I guess what what attractions or opportunities do you think there act there might be uh, right now in the old masters market that maybe other genres are lacking? Um, so, I mean, if collectors like I was ju just mentioning are kind of looking to get involved and maybe bring some scholarship back into their collection, that's, you know, the old masters are really the way to do it. And what's amazing is, um, I mean, there's so much to learn and there's so much to discover in the old masters. Um, so, you know, and there's a lot of value to be added actually, uh, through research. So if you walk around a sale and you find an image that strikes you something that you like, um, I mean, it may be, you know, somewhere between two and 10,000 pounds, which, you know, compared to the contemporary market is pennies. Um, and, you know, maybe bring it to a conservator, have it cleaned and go to the image library. And honestly, there actually, there could be something that you find, um, you know, it, so the, the possibilities kind of are endless. And I find that there's a bit more accomplishment inherent in the old master's market. And I find that really rewarding as opposed to just chasing the numbers. Um, so, you know, even if it's not necessarily like discovering the latest contemporary artist. Um, I mean, Caravaggio wasn't even discovered until the 1950s. Um, so there's still, even if you're, if you're looking at it from an investment point of view, even if you're only adding a few percent to the value, there actually is still some work to be done and you can slowly train your eye, which I think is a really magical thing about the old masters. Whereas in the contemporary market, it doesn't really seem like that's the case. It's more the market dictates. Whereas in the old masters, you can really do some work and you can get involved and trust your gut and kind of make some things happen. So, um, I think it's more exciting. It's more of a treasure hunt in that sense. And you, at the auction houses, you have the evening sales and also the day sales, I know you think day sales are really important to the old masters market. What is it about the day sales that you think are especially integral to the market? Um, well, so I think it's not the sense of discovery doesn't just apply to collectors. Um, you know, the day sales are where a lot of dealers can really find their value add. Um, I mean, let's be real. That's why we all got so many academic degrees. And this is, uh, <laughs> this is where we put them to work. Um, you know, looking, the day sales all have over 100 lots in each sale. So, you know, looking between the two auction houses, that's sometimes nearly 300 works, which in the middle of a busy week, frankly, a lot of people just don't have time to look at. And if you take the time to really meander around and have a look at a few things and, you know, the catalogs are out for a few weeks, maybe, you know, go to the library and look up, look up a few things. There's really, there's a lot that can be done there. So I think from a discovery point of view, the day sales are integral and just due to the sheer volume, like I said, that's where the trade or collectors can really find their value add. But, you know, on the flip side of that, also the evening sales kind of need a foundation for, uh, I mean, for their values. They need a context. 
And that's what the day sales provide. Um, I mean, you know, looking between 2016 and 2018, 76% of the volume on the old master's market between Sotheby's and Christie's was from the day sale. But that 76% of volume was only 16% of value, which is a pretty staggering difference. Um, but, you know, there's no way to contextualize the masterpieces that are put up in the evening sales without having all of these smaller works um, kind of set set the groundwork, if you will. So um, it's still really important for all of the dealers to pay attention to what's going on in the day sales, what's selling. And, you know, it does kind of pique your interest if there was something that was only estimated for, uh, you know, 15 to 20,000 pounds. And then all of a sudden it sells for 150,000 pounds. Um, you know, it's, is just one person paying attention? Have they seen something that other people don't? Or, you know, is there a group of works? Are people suddenly looking towards a certain region or a certain genre? Um, so that's actually a bit of research that, um, we're starting to look into on, uh, well, from our tactics point of view, um, trying to really build up our old masters day sale database and looking at the kind of different criteria and all of the different ways that you can kind of break these sales down by subject matter, by region, um, you know, well, by artist or modifier, um, you know, just, uh, you know, how many things are circle of or school of, et cetera. Um, so I feel there's really a lot that you can find out about the market and what's really going on under the surface through the day sales. And, uh, so there's a lot of opportunity there. And, um, I mean, well, hopefully our tactic, we can, uh, work on, keep digging that up to, to see what we can find. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you did a great job with the, uh, old masters paintings market report. And for our listeners who haven't checked it out yet, you should definitely go ahead and do so by visiting arttactic.com. Meg, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and helping us really break down what's going on in the old master's market. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, Adam. It was great. <laughs>